0: A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another
1: beautiful day on the Victor Bravo golf course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and
0: there's a sudden pause in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. Fifteenth hole here, driver is recommended. <laughs> Oh, is he a caveman? Because he suddenly clubbed that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with the dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> G'day and welcome. This is golf. Andrew Dado is my name. Nice to have your company, especially today. We have one of the greats of golf of all time, men or women. a World Golf Hall of Famer, LPGA Hall of Famer. It's Australia's... Carrie Webb, literally one of the greatest players in the history of women's golf. Seven majors, uh, let's 41, 50 six nearly 70 wins around the world. 41 in America, European, Australia, Japan, and she's going to give us her time today just to talk a little bit about her life, where she's, like how she first got into golf, what her parents were like, what it was like to be coached. The good times, the really good times, the bad times, and looking back and putting it all in perspective. It was a really, really lovely chat. She's in Florida. I'm here in sunny Australia. So we worked out the time zones, and as I say, a terrific chat. So this is Carrie Webb. Um, What an honour, and what a privilege, and I really hope you enjoy this discussion around the game of golf, from air in Queensland to literally... The entire world. We started where we always start, is how did you find the game of golf or did the game of golf find you? This is Carrie Webb. How did the game of golf come to you or did you go to it?
1: Um, I think it came to me. It was, um, you know, really a family sport. Um, when I was very little, I was the eldest of three girls, but my parents and my grandparents, my mum's parents, um, took up the game of golf right around when I was born. I think um, just before I was born, they, they took up golf. So um, they, you know, growing up in a country town, um, you know, it was everyone was welcome. Um you know, my my parents would play on a Saturday afternoon. My grandparents would babysit us, and then they'd drop us out there at five o'clock in the afternoon. My parents would be upstairs, having a drink at the bar, and yeah. um, and all the kid all the kids um, were downstairs, you know, running through bunkers and. And all so sorts this
0: of is th- th- this is in air, which is I'm in Queensland, sugarcane country. It's a mecca for backpackers, you know, like um, and and um, mecca for working backpackers, you know. So it's like, and it doesn't sound like a obviously golf is important there, but it's not. That wasn't the run of it. So it's pretty amazing, or maybe that was part of the joy is that you could actually enjoy the game and the course as a kid, as opposed to say starting out at Royal Melbourne, where it would have all been quite.
1: Yeah, exactly. Get out yeah.
0: of the get the child yeah. out of the bunker.
1: Yeah, right, right. It was um, you know, it was quite a young club at the time. There was a lot of parents around my parents' age, so um and then kids around my age, so um you know, I think you could tell, you know, I could tell my parents had a good time out there. I had a great time when I was out there. It was just um you know, and the atmosphere was great and so I just um, gravitated towards, I think, being the eldest, you, you always want to be like your parents because you've yeah. got no one else to look up to. So I think, you know, I just gravitated towards playing golf. And, 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 and were I,
0: they, Carrie, were they good? Were they good golfers?
1: No, not, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my mom's best handicap was um, maybe about 15, 17, yeah. and my dad's, I think, was about 11 or 12. Um,
0: okay and what about your grandparents
1: uh no no uh no not very good Um, (laughs) yeah I don't think my grandma's handicap came down below 30 um and my grandfather's was always around 20 I think so um but they were the ones that had the patience when I so I wasn't allowed to join uh, junior golf until I was eight um and they were the ones before that that would take me out on on a Sunday morning so they had Two businesses um, in the main street. And so they worked six days a week, and um, Sunday was their only day together. And they'd scoop me up from the age of four um, at seven in the morning to to go and play nine holes. Um, And I had little plastic clubs and the plastic ball. Yeah.
0: um,
1: You know, and. And do you uh, remember that? Yeah, I do. I have vivid memories of that.
0: Right. So when, yeah. when did it, when did you get your first proper set of golf clubs? Were they sort of out of the, the dead man's closet in the, the golf club or something? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like,
1: um, well, so as I got, as I got a little bit bigger than, you know, when I was like six and six or so, you know, I was I was getting too strong for the plastic clubs and I was getting frustrated. So my, my grandparents promised me a set of clubs for my eighth birthday. So um, you yeah, know they, that, that promise was um, kept, and um, on my eighth birthday, they gave me the clubs, and my parents gave me the um, bag and and uh, buggy. So, um, but they were, you know, they were a mishmash. But it, funnily enough, um, uh, we found them or, or, or someone, you know, because after I outgrew them, we just gave them on to.
0: Yeah, yeah. What a shame.
1: That needed them, but I. Do
0: you I remember got, what they were?
1: Well, no, I got a. Um, amazingly, I got. Um, the wood and um, two of the irons back. Well wow. um, Yeah, and the irons were Peter Thompson uh, irons. So um, you know, pretty decent cut down clubs when you think about it, because they would have, you know, I mean, I'm I'm sure that so that was in the early '80s. So that you know, they probably in the '70s would have been, you know, a top quality iron uh, that yeah. people was making. So um, yeah, so I thought that was that was kind of special when I found out. That they, that's what they were, were Peter Thompson lines.
0: Yeah, and there's an sort of interesting symmetry there because I know after your fifth Australian Open, Thompson, or I read anyway that he said that, you know, welcome to the club.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> it was glad cool that he
1: was there for that, yeah.
0: Did you ever tell him that, you know, you started out with his um, with his gear?
1: I don't know if I'd gotten him back when that happened. Oh, okay. Um, yes, it's only been like in the last 10 years or so that, that – um, that someone was cleaning out their garage and they were like, I think these are Kar- Kari's first set and, wow. and they were,
0: yeah. How about that? Yeah. So do, what do you do with all your old golf clubs? I mean, through a like, you know, it's literally, it's a nearly a lifetime now. Sort of, yeah. We're talking a long time. Do you, it, yeah. you have that Greg Norman factor of, you know, a room full of just full of golf clubs or?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't have a d- display of them, but I've kept all of my, um, all of my gamers, so anything that made it into competition, um, yeah. that I have. I don't know what I'm going to do with them all. Like I was just in there today because I was trying to. Um, someone had asked me to to send them pictures of some of the older putters that, that I'd used, and um, you know, I was like, "What am I going to do with all this?" stuff? <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I just—it's uh, just sitting in there. It's like, yeah. um, you know, I I kept every winning shirt by a few. Um, yeah. And they're just all hanging up in the closet, and I'm like, "What am I going to do with them?" Right. You know, so- is, how,
0: how, and when you look at that, how is the fashion? Do you just go, "Oh my god"? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you no.
1: Know, what was then, happening
0: yeah. in 1992?
1: Well, you know, in the early 2000s, like the sleeves were down to your elbows or just passed and yeah, but you wore extra big, and like I was like, I was that I fit into that shirt It was like huge.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah. when you when you're going through your Golf clubs. So today, earlier today, is it? Is there a, a, a like a intrinsic memory thing that goes on for you? Is it? it is it a warming, um, a warming thing? Going, oh my god, that's the Nabisco. Or, oh my god, that's the Open. Or that's yeah,
2: yeah. Do well,
1: you go the through that? All, the irons aren't as accessible. Um, they're all um, in in boxes. Um, okay, you know, and they've got what you know, what year and what set of irons they are on the outside. Um, but, um, yeah, the putters are all there because, um, any, any part of that lasted, you know, um, any length of time, mm. um, it never got thrown, thrown out even, you know, there's some that, you know, have gravel rashes on the bottom of them where I've smashed it on a cart path or something in anger, Yeah, but, um, you know, they, they get kept because, well, one, I, I, I won with, with some of them, but, um, you know, they get recycled. So, um, you know. You so you back. go
0: back and forth between them. Yeah, yeah. How far I'll back would you go? I
1: always give them another go. If I'm looking for a different, <laughs> if I'm looking for a different look, you know, you need to change it up. Um, you know, I, uh, I go back to to those first before I seek out a new putter.
0: Okay, that's good to know for the the rest of us who are hoarders.
2: Yeah.
1: So the, the, yeah. There is a
0: reason to be keeping.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Carrie said. <laughs>
0: hey, um, when did you when did you know you were Good. I mean, obviously something something happened. But when you were, you know, so you got your first clubs at eight years old. When when did it sort of twig for you that you might have had something going on?
1: I don't know if there was an actual moment. Um, I think I just progressed really nicely through each level, like you know, each age division. I, you know, won at and then, um, you know, I, you know, it started playing up with the adults in North Queensland, and I was winning, you know. Um, Club opens and stuff, and North Queensland Open championships and stuff like that, and then progressing down to play, um, you know, Queensland Juniors and qu- Queensland Stroke plays and amateurs and and so forth, and then onto the national events. Like it, you know, I just think it was a good progression. There was never really any, you know, any backward steps. It was always just making that next progression and raising that level of golf all the way up until when I turned pro. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I was, I, would say, I don't. It's hard for me to say that I was the best amateur in the country, but I probably was the best amateur in the co- country at when I turned pro. And, um, you know, I couldn't. No one was giving me money to turn pro, let alone giving me money to stay amateur and and go and play some of the, like the US amateur or the British right. amateur. Um So, um, you know, that was really all I had left to do as an amateur is play in some of those bigger world amateur events. So. Um, you know, turning pro, I was young back then. Like I was um, a month away from being 20 when I turned pro. Um, and, you know, now that's not young anymore, but um, that was, it was young then. And so, but I just made that next step very so, easily.
0: So, Carrie, what was, so it, it sounds like there wasn't a, like a huge amount of support. I mean, I'm sure your family were highly supportive. Um, oh, and yeah. you know, and Kel was high, you know coach was highly yeah. supportive, but yeah. the system. So that because women's golf probably wasn't even on TV then. I uh, guess
1: yeah, show masters had been on TV for um, three or four years.
0: Okay, but not long.
1: No, not long. No, you're right.
0: Okay, so um, at that point. When, when you turned pro, you obviously thought, you know, look, I'm up for this. What, yep. what, but, but sorry, just before that, what was it about the game that, that you liked?
1: I think, you know, I played a bunch of other sports um, through primary school and a little bit into high school, um, you know, and team sports. And, you know, I, I, I loved every sport I played but, um, you know, I – I didn't like that I could work really hard or practice really hard or be one of the better players on the team but your result didn't necessarily depend just on what you did. Yeah, right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I think that's why I gravitated towards golf was that all the time I put into it was to my benefit.
0: Okay. Um, Is it sort of a um, if it it will be it is up to me kind of mentality?
1: yeah. Yeah, I think so.
0: Um, so you're clearly competitive.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And do you like that competitive, like, have you always liked that competitive nature about yourself?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think, um, it definitely made me who I was. Um, you know, I don't think I, I necessarily liked how hard I was on myself at times, but, um, I think if, you know, I I can't say that I wish I'd done it differently, um, purely because it might not have produced the same results.
0: Okay. Charlie Earp, um, I did one of these podcasts with him and said, who's the best golfer you ever saw? Like you of, of everyone you ever saw, who is the best? And I and I know I had a thought in my head that it was going to be Thompson or it was going to be Norman and he sat there for a while and he goes, oh, Carrie
2: Webb. Oh, <laughs>
0: without a doubt, it's Carrie. And I said, what was it? And he said, it's the, the, you, that you were, um, I don't remember the exact words, but it was that when you went onto a golf course, it was, you were there to win. It was a single, single focus. So is that just inherent or did you learn that or?
1: I think, no, I think it was just inherent. Um, you know, I think I just learned that when I got on the first tier, like, you know, the blinders came on and I knew what I wanted to do. I don't, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't something that I I learned or, um, someone taught me, um, Hmm. You know, it wasn't until later in my career that I had to be taught what it was that I was good at, you know, like the, the whole mental side of it and why I had been so successful. Um, you know, in, in in the lead up to that point, that w- it was all just natural instincts that, that had me doing what I was doing.
0: So like the, going back to the early days and playing um, with family and Monopoly and Cluedo, and you know, chess or checkers yeah. or whatever. We were you a monster at those games? You were a board tipper and a.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, my sister. So the middle, you know, the sister closest to me in age um, was not competitive at all. So all right. that annoyed me to no end. I couldn't understand. <laughs> so, um, we we didn't we did not have a great relationship. As kids, because um, she didn't like sport, she wasn't competitive. She did music and dancing. Like we were complete opposites. So, um, you know, I think I that competitiveness. Um, you know, maybe if we were playing a board game or something like that. Um, but it was it was probably more when I when I was at school or playing other sports or or playing golf. When you know if I was playing against the boys after school or whatever. That was that was where it all came out.
0: Okay, and 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 that was one of the things, wasn't it, that when you did play golf as a junior, it was against the boys. So you yeah, try. I mean, and- I
1: was I played in the girls' competition, but I practiced with the boys. So my, okay, you know, my weekday afternoon matches was always against the boys.
0: Okay, and you had a and, and which is interesting, you've had the same coach or you had the same coach um, for most of your career until yeah. you know until Kel passed. So, how important is that single focus? Do you think?
3: Yeah, um, you know well, um,
1: you know, tremendous, tremendous. You know, Calvin taught me the the basic. You know, my whole my whole approach to golf, um, and and the the basic principles that I they stand by is what Calvin taught me. Um, and obviously, you know, um, well, through the best best part of my career, Calvin was my only coach, mm-hmm. and then um, through the you know,
3: um,
1: you know, second half or maybe not, you know, a little bit more than that. I had Ian Triggs and then, um, uh, Mike McGettrick, who, um, is an American, um, teaching professional, but coached a lot of uh, the top women over here. So they both worked with Calvin and I, um, which I was always very appreciative that,
3: um,
1: you know, they didn't, they, they knew the importance of my relationship with Calvin and, and, um, in continuing that and that he was always going to be a part of my team. Um, and that, you know, I, when I was back in Australia and I practiced with him, you know, he'd see certain different things that that they hadn't picked up on, and so we were working together as a team.
0: Okay, are you able to um, to say what he what he actually did teach you as a as a golfer in a in a basic sense? And I'm thinking as much as anything that people who listen to this who are you know sort of coming into golf and going. Phew. Like it, it, it's the whole landscape is so littered with so many different things. Are, are there simple things that you learned as a as a junior from from him that really changed the way or made you who you are?
1: I think so. Uh, you know, um, uh, he was um, so Calvin. You know, it wasn't a professional golfer.
0: Um, yeah, he was the greenkeeper at Air, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, when when he first started coaching me, he um, so how my parents. We're friends with Calvin. Is that uh, my my grandparents' businesses in the main street. Um, their neighbor business was Calvin's parents' news agency, and Calvin <laughs> um, <laughs> Calvin worked in the news agency for many years before he was the greenkeeper. Um, and um, he read every single golf digest and golf show magazine that came in every month, and that was that was how he taught me based on everything he'd read in golf magazine. Right.
0: Um, so he, hang on. So was he? A good, he was obviously a golfer. Was he a good yeah,
1: golfer? He was, uh, yeah, he was like a two handicap. He was like the club champion okay. many times, and North Queensland district champion. Um, he he was a really good golfer. Um, right.
0: So theoretically, though, if he's going through the magazine, so one month he would go, listen, you've got to tuck that right. No, in. He, it
1: just it, it formed his basic principles. <laughs> okay, no worries. Um, but um, you know, so for me, it was really um, just a really good base. Basis of fun, good fundamentals, so mm-hmm. good grip, good alignment, good tempo. Um, yeah, That were, you know, they were the main things. Um, that and those are the things that I that I go back to even still today. Um, uh, you know, um, and he was a stickler for the, that. When okay. you know, other coaches are looking more for positions in swings. He was like. Well, you hit it left because you're aimed there. You know, like he's, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Queenslander.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and and we, you know, he drove me crazy because you know he'd like he'd say, "I just want you to hit nine irons all day, all afternoon after school on Tuesday. That's it, just nine irons." And then you know, then he'd say, "But I want your, you know, every swing to be like your nine iron swing." So like he just got me to groove groove my swing um so that you know it was very repetitive um even from an early age
0: okay well that i mean that's in in the scheme of things it like obviously brilliant advice
1: yeah yeah yeah. Like, ha- I mean, have one swing it was and that was you know i mean it was my swing was very very simple um when it was just calvin and i
3: um
1: you know and then um, unfortunately, both of us decided that um, we needed to to make it better. So that's when we asked for more help. Uh, we yeah. were making changes on our own, but um, because I was only seeing him a couple of times a year, and the rest was, you know, sending videos online. Um, you know, it was too hard to make these changes, and um, you know, I got away a little bit away from my natural patterns, and and then Triggsy came in and and helped. Finish that off, yeah. Um, but we should have just left it alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wonder—is there too much? I mean, the golf now—you've you've had a really interesting, been through a really interesting time in golf when it was probably a pretty much a solo game. So you and your coach,
2: yeah,
0: as a as a team. To now, it's literally—it looks like the golfers actually have teams with yeah. them. You know, they got a nutritionist and a mind coach and a. Yeah. But it, when you started and through the guts of your career, it was just you, wasn't it?
1: It was, yeah. Um, and quite honestly, think- like we couldn't afford to have. Yeah. You know, even if Calvin could have travelled, um, he might have been out once or twice a year. You know, we could we couldn't afford to. to you know, we weren't playing for enough money um, mm. to to have parents and. And then swing coach, short game coach, putting coach, yeah. trainer, physio. You know, it's like <laughs> you know. I, I feel like the, the girls are playing for so much more money than than we, I did through the me to my career. But I feel like I probably banked about the same amount because they're you know how much they're spending to to have, with all these people with their hands in their pockets.
0: Yeah, that's actually interesting. Would you be the first person to make a million dollars in a year on tour? Yeah. What's well, so, it but just before we get to that when you so you you it, it's a fairly um normal trajectory for you to turn pro right so you literally won everything you won yeah. you know the Australian amateur you won Well the, I
1: never won the Australian amateur but I won the um
0: Australian
1: I won the Australian stroke play which is oh, okay. now which is now considered the Australian amateur they don't Yeah sorry my yeah. mistake
0: that's what the Australian yeah. amateur champion that if was they 94 I
1: on that trophy now <laughs> what's that yeah, now that it's the Australian, hey, the Australian yeah, amateur, just on the- it's essentially the Australian stroke play can I say that I won the Australian amateur
0: well <laughs> to be honest with you I think, I did Google stalk it and that's what it said so yeah. um, what do you do with all the trophies just before we get to the, the, the winning of them
1: um, what um, well I did any of the big amateur tournaments I won in Australia I don't think you ever I think you got a little medal um, yeah. Never really got a trophy, um, but um, I have you know most of them are here in my house in Florida, but um, some are in Australia as well now.
0: Okay. In a in a room like on a dis. Saw, yeah, uh,
1: they are displayed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, great. Do you love yeah. it? Do you go? <laughs>
1: um, I do. I do. Um,
0: <laughs> Good. I don't.
1: I don't take people on like if people are new to the house. I'm like they're like, can take me on a tour? And I'm like, you can go and have a look yourself. Like I, okay, no worries. I don't like stand up there and say, you know, this is when I won, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. Um, so the, the house I live in in Florida, I built, um, in my third year on the LPGA and I'm still, still here, still living in it. And by then I think I'd won, um, well, through the planning stages so this the trophy cabinet was in the planning stages I'd won seven, <laughs> seven, seven times right um and you know I probably didn't get a trophy for all of them so I probably had four or five trophies to put into this massive it wasn't a, it's a quite a large trophy cabinet yeah. and um you know I I was like, I never really thought of myself as cocky, but here I am designing this massive trophy cabinet that I have full intentions that I'm going to fill. Yeah. And I did fill, but like, <laughs> I, guess I, I guess I just put it put it out there, right? Like I, yeah. I um, you know, just was like, yeah, I need a big trophy cabinet because I'm going to, you know.
0: Well, I mean, uh, look, just on this, so it's 41 LPGA. And correct me if I'm wrong on this because, again, this is a thing. 41 LPGA wins, 15 European wins, 3 in Japan, 13 in Australia and World Golf Hall of Fame, LPGA Hall of Fame. Um, And, again, you said that it was a fairly normal trajectory. Did you ever imagine someone saying those things about you? I mean, I'm sure whenever you're introduced now to speak or at events, it has to be you know, one of the greatest female golfers in the history of the game. So um, obviously that I'm guessing that sits well with you but was it something that you sort of strived for on the way through or did it just happen?
1: Yeah, well, I definitely never envisioned my career. I mean, I think your wildest dreams you, you hope that it could turn out like this but I don't think you actually believe that it really could be this great. Um, but you know, I think for me, uh, my goal was to to have a long career and and you know have some money in the bank at the end and maybe win yeah. along the way. Um, and I def I definitely exceeded all of those expectations. And and you know, as as I was doing what I was doing, I obviously had to adjust adjust my goals for for where I thought I could get to.
0: Do you think that's sort of a um, maybe a country girl Australian sort of thing of going, oh, if I could just, just get this bit, oh, yeah, could maybe win one, you know, and it, it's, which sort of makes it all a little bit normal?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean it's kind of surreal that, you know, at – eleven or twelve years old, I was telling people in the air I was gonna be a professional golfer. Yeah. And, and
0: what and what did and what was their response? <laughs> oh I, can, um, I can imagine Well imagine.
1: so I don't remember this as well as my mum does, but um she remembers people laughing at me.
0: Um, mm. with and, at you or with you?
1: No, sort of well so I <laughs> I was in um a I guess you'd call it a So, um, the water festival and air is like a, you know, yearly thing. And they used to have, um, the Queens and the princesses. So I represented my school as one of the princesses. Um, and you know, it was all about,
3: um, you know,
1: public speaking and it really wasn't, I only got it because my best friend who should have gotten it, um, had done something right around the time that the students got to vote where, you know, she pissed them all off and <laughs> so then they voted me.
3: <laughs> yeah. So,
1: um, uh, you know, I was a really shy kid so it really wasn't meant, it wasn't really meant for me to do but I, I did it and uh, my mum remembers when I was being interviewed, um, you know, when our float came into the show and then we all then we all got interviewed, and you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said a professional golfer, and it was a local radio DJ that was doing interviews. He actually laughed, but I don't remember that. Right. Okay. Um. And um. And when I would say it to my parents' friends and stuff, mom said they'd always like go, "Oh, that's good," um, <laughs> and then they'd look at my parents like. You're not yeah. going to let her believe she can do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You well, know, was so- it? I mean, how realistic was it at the time? You know, like in, in terms of to have that dream from from Air Queensland.
1: Not, not very realistic, I don't think. Um, okay. But no one told me I couldn't. Yeah. You know, um, well, not anyone important to me. Everyone, you know, everyone that it was important to me just, you know, said I could believe it. In it, and all I had, all I had to do, with and as far as my parents were concerned, was get good grades as well. So, yeah. as long as I did that, you know, they would they would help me and go to different tournaments and stuff around the country. So,
0: all right, so you turn pro, you're having your rookie year, you're in the UK, and at, you know, youngest winner ever of the British Open. Yeah. So, so. I've talked to a whole manner of older, you know, much older men in their 70s and 80s and about for them to play in the British Open and what that experience was like. What was it like for you? Was it were you just either just gassing for it going, yes, or were you just nervous as hell and what the hell am I doing here?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, you know, that was the biggest event that I played in that year and growing up in Australia, you know, Aussies have done so well at, the British Open, the men's British Open, and even the women's British Open to that point. Yeah. Um, you know, um, in my lifetime I, I had seen Greg Norman and Ian Baker Finch when, for the men and then Karen Dibner and Karen Lunn when,
3: um,
1: not that I got to see that, but, you know, I got to see the highlights on the news. And and uh, so I the British Open was, well, in essence really because I'd never seen a, a women's US Open was was the biggest tournament that I could ever play in and especially that year so um you know I was excited for it I'd I'd played pretty well up till then I had quite a few top 10s but I don't think I ever went in going oh I've got a chance to win this Uh, yeah I didn't go in thinking I couldn't but um you know that it was an LPGA co-sanctioned event and all the LPGA stars were over as well and I I was just as excited to see them up close um, yeah. as it was to playing in the
0: so, so, Carrie, were you were you awestruck by them at the time? Do you sort of look at them, oh, yeah. my God, it's – Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> <have> an autograph. <laughs> yeah. Like did you get any autographs? Did you do anything like that?
1: Oh, no, I didn't get any autographs. So I was way too shy for that. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but, no, I was just, um, you know, just excited to be playing in the same field um, as them. You know, I'd, I'd been in the States prior – um, to starting the European tour swing, um, playing on a mini tour over there, and I went and watched an LPGA event while I was there. So you know, I'd sort of seen them, you know, as a spectator. And now, you know, only a few months later, I was I was teeing it up with them.
0: Okay, and so and and you had that thought that well, there's no reason I can't win, even though you thought or you
1: yeah, didn't I think, think you would. I think um, you know, I think. You know, I really just played and found myself in the last group on Saturday, but I was paired with Marty Lund, so um, two Aussies in the last group. So you know, um, that sort of eased any sort of pressure because Marty was, you know, my, uh, anyone knows Marty. Um, all you're doing is laughing all day. So um, okay. so you know that was that was great, and then obviously played well again that day and. And then in the last group on Sunday with Val um, Skinner, who um, was a big, scary American. <laughs> uh, I'm <laughs> friends with Val now, but she, she definitely um, – I was definitely very nervous uh, getting paired with her because the LPJ event I went to see that year, she won. So um, I think – but I think along the way I just thought I'll just play and see where I end up because I was – I think I always thought um, – I'm not good enough yet to win something this big. Like there's going to be a player better than me this week that's going to win. You know, I just felt like someone was just, it wasn't that I was going to play poorly. I just thought someone, there's someone out there in the field that's better than me that's just going to play better and win.
2: Um,
0: Okay. Is that part of the psychology of of becoming a really great golfer is suddenly believing that, maybe you are the one that everyone else has to beat?
1: Yeah, I think um, – I don't know. Like, I mean, I do have some pretty good memories of that last round. Um, and even when I talked to Val, like, she doesn't think that she was trying to intimidate me. But for the first six goals, <laughs> yeah. you know, she – So what did I she do? My, I just put my head down and, and played golf but, and stayed, tried to stay as far away from her as I could. Um, physically? Yeah, physically. <laughs> Um, and, um, and then by, you know, so I started off pretty well and she started off horrendously bad. And so by about the seventh or eighth hole, she couldn't win, um, that she'd played her way out of it that quickly. And then after that, she stopped trying to intimidate me and she was my biggest cheerleader for like the last 10 or 11 holes. Right. Um, and so, um, you know. That's one of my memories. And the other memory I have is, uh, on the 16th hole, I I hit it left and, um, I had like a four or five shot leads by then. And, um, I had a choice of like, sort of just chipping, I hit, hit it left and there was this gap in this tree, like in this fork of this tree. And, um, and my memory is that it was huge. And I never, ever once thought about chipping out, like, and, but er, apparently all the Aussies sitting in the clubhouse watching it were like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then I just hit it through the, I hit it through the fork of the tree and hit it to the front edge of the green and two putted for par. Like it was no big deal. Um, And then I went back there. We played Woban. We hadn't played there for years. And then in 20, Sixteen. We played at Woburn, but not this. That Woburn's got like four courses. We played one of the other courses, but I, um, I had someone drive me over um, to that course so I could. I wanted to see the gap because but I still have debates with Marty Lunn and Karen Lunn and and all the Aussies that were there. They still are like that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen.
0: What did Kenny say?
1: Ah, uh, no, and no one, no one said anything. I was like, "That's yeah. where I'm hitting it," and I think. Everyone was just leaving me well alone. So
0: okay. <laughs> but, so do you think how yeah. old was Val in that tournament?
1: Uh, I'd say Val was. She. It's funny because you think, she, I, I, if I think about my twenty-year-old self, I felt like she was really old, but I bet she was only maybe thirty.
0: Maybe, yeah.
2: Maybe thirty-two. <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, real, old.
0: Yeah, real. Really
2: old. yeah. Yeah,
0: I yeah. guess what um. What, what I'm what I'm wondering is, do you think she understood how important it was to win that tournament, and therefore possibly it was too much? Whereas, because you were 20,
2: mm.
0: you didn't really understand what you were. Pl- I mean, I'm not saying you didn't under you not saying you didn't understand what you were playing for, but not in the same way that she understood what she was playing Probably.
1: for. Yeah, I mean, I there was definitely a night na- naivety to my golf early on. I think. Um, you know, it was hit it, find it, hit it, find it, hit it, find it. Um, mm. And, you know, do it as well as, as possible. Um, and there wasn't, even though I, I think, you know, I felt nerves, I had fear, um, you know, I had doubt, it was in a 20-year-old's mind. You know, like it is. It isn't anything like what manifests when you're 35 or 40 yeah. you know, after, you know, 15, 20 years of doing that same thing um you know you understand that you I was really playing very freely and and that probably in itself intimidated Val because she was like I wish I could have a bit of that you know where she's just getting up there and blasting it down the middle of the fairway and not even worried about missing this fairway.
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And so where does that leave you now? I mean, I know last year you won, you know, the,
1: the old big,
0: deal. yeah, which is, <laughs> you know, and it's there's a really great photo of you online with the trophy, just like positively, properly beaming. Like it's like, <laughs> Bloody back, mate. You know, so, um, so what, what was it like to win again?
2: Oh,
1: well, it was, it was awesome because I had. Is it better? Is it? I hadn't, well, I hadn't won a golf tournament. I'd had chances to win, but hadn't actually won a golf tournament since 2014. So, yeah. Um, so, and then just even being in contention, um, you know, that, that had happened more recently, but, um, you know, that just brings back. Great feelings. I mean, it, it's it's nerve wracking and it's pressure packed, but I that's what I lived for, and I I got to do that a lot when I was younger. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, I was going head to head with Annika Sorenstam, which again, yeah. you know, a blast from the past as well. So um, I think the beaming was the fact that that you know, I'd gotten one over her, and um, uh, it wasn't it, maybe I, if she hadn't have been in the field, m- might not have. I might have felt quite as uh, quite
0: as well, <laughs> right? Because it's. Uh, I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm guessing you're probably not dissimilar in the way that you play, and approach the game at at your best. And I mean, at your best, that early two thousands, you know, winning seven. That was seven majors. I think seven majors between ninety nine and two thousand six. Yeah, is that right? So there, there must have just been in your mind, just. An amazing, I mean, I remember it was like, oh my God, she's won again. Huh, she's won again. You know, like it was just, it was, and it was great because it's just like, ah, it's one of ours. And like, you know, yeah. you were our Norman. So, yeah. but by all accounts, a better golfer than, you know, on stats than Norman. So, um, were you able to enjoy those moments, the winning, as much as we were able to enjoy the winning?
1: Probably not. I think, I think at the time I felt like I was, but, um, hmm. you know, I think, and, you know, I read a lot of, um, autobiographies, you know, a- other athletes, autobiographies, and I think how I processed it and moved quickly onto the next thing,
3: um,
1: is pretty common.
3: Um, okay.
1: even I wish, um, I, I have taken the time to enjoy it. I, I think if I really sat there and patted myself on the back, I'm, I, I might have rested on my laurels and not continue to push. Um,
2: yeah.
1: so yeah, um, you know, I, you know, I went on a Sunday and if I was playing the next week, you know, by Tuesday, I'm back at work, you know, um, yeah. yeah, I've got to try and work out how to win this one. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I definitely didn't, didn't enjoy it. Um, well, I think this is the perfect example of how much I didn't enjoy how good I was playing week in and week out was, um. It wasn't until about 10 years ago, um, there was a young Korean girl that um, was just every week top 10, top 10, top 10, top 10. And um, when she got to 11 straight top 10s, the LPGA said, you know, she's getting close to Webb's top 10 record. And I was like, which was 16 in a row. Wow. And um, I didn't even know I had that record. Um, because at, probably when I was doing it, the LPGA didn't keep great stats, so,
3: um,
1: you know, they weren't counting. I, and I definitely wasn't counting how many top 10s I'd had in a row. Um, and players were saying to me, oh, my God, six, 16 top 10s in a row. And it was over the, the, the course of two, you know, the end of one year and the start of the
3: next. And
1: and they said, I said, I didn't even know that I held that record. And I said, probably at the time, I was probably upset that you know, out of those sixteen <laughs> top tens, I probably only won three times. You know, like yeah. you know, um, rather than going, I have a chance to win nearly every week. You know, like how good is that? You know, yeah. Um, I just didn't, you know, if it didn't translate into a win, then well, you know.
0: So that the, the W was the yeah, W was the on. thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously you know, and when you've won as much as you'd won. Does that record still stand? Do you know?
3: It does, yeah.
0: Right. And so when, when – it's interesting you said that the LPGA didn't keep the stats at that time. Like they weren't so – um, I don't know if you watch golf now, but it seems that every golfer in every shot they go, Uh, you had this uh, similar putt there 1973 back in. Yeah. You know, like it's <laughs> – and I think the game's really stifled by this constant stat. Mm-hmm. remembering.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, do, you, do you enjoy watching golf?
1: Yeah, I do. I, 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 yeah, I enjoy watching men's and women's golf and just about every sport there is. So, okay. um, yeah.
0: But, do you have a... Um, on, I'll sit and watch it. Is, is that all sports?
1: Pretty much. It's um, not many that I wouldn't sit and watch.
0: Okay, right. Um, do you have a... a Tournament that you won that meant anything more than anything else? Is it the Australian Open? Is it the US Open? Is it?
3: Um,
1: it's hard to say um, what meant more. I think um, the first time I won a show, which was the Show Masters at Royal Pines, um, that probably will always be one of the most special um, because you know Calvin was there to see that. Um, he, I think, he was there for probably two or three, maybe four of of those wins, but um, you know, the fact that he was there to see that and my family were there to see that, um, you know, that and, you know, that was in nineteen ninety eight. I'd really only had maybe six or seven opportunities to win in Australia before that. Eight eight opportunities, but, you know, I was getting the pressure of when are you gonna win in Australia? You've won overseas, you know, so <laughs> There was a bit of <laughs> a bit of, bit of pressure there too,
0: and yeah, um, and and is that so just sorry to interrupt? Is it is that when when you get those questions in press conferences, it, it, is that mind numbing or mind blowing for you? to, to like hey, <laughs> everyone, stand down for a second and give me a give me a shot, or is that just the is that the game?
1: Um, well, I think it's just the game. It's um, you know, I also then got it in the states. Um, when are you going to win a major? And I'd played in um, 12 majors, you know, best, best player to not win a major. I'd only played in yeah. 12, you know, and it was. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and the
0: British and Open wasn't a major when you won it, was it? Yeah, it wasn't a major. No. So really you've won like 10 or 12, you know. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, if you counted every tournament that I won, that that I won before it was a major, I would have three more. To British and Evian.
2: Yeah.
1: But, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so I'd say going back to that question that, you know, that, that win in Australia probably was one of the most special. And then, um, I mean, it's hard to, to pinpoint, um, you know, there's been a lot of good moments, which I'm very lucky for. Um, but I think that the greatest moment in my career was uh, when I hold the wedge at the, um 2006 Kraft Nabisco uh, yeah um which at the time when it went in I thought I I'd, I'd hold it to win so um you know even though I was a couple of groups ahead I thought you know um, the leaders weren't doing anything and I thought that might have might have been enough um, as it turned out I ended up having to win in a playoff but um you know just the thrill of um, of that going in and the excitement. Um, like I can, you know, every time I talk about it, I think um, if you'd had a heart monitor on me and emotion reader that day and you did it now, there'd be similar reactions because I think I can sort of put myself back in that
2: spot um, over and over do
1: again. You
0: th- do you think, and the, the, the video's online and I did look at it and I would urge anyone to look at it, just Google um, Carrie Webb's greatest, greatest shot, I think, Is how I found it, but your reaction after it went in was—it appeared to be very unlike you know your—it appeared to be unlike you in that I think normally I'm trying to say this in in the right way without that that you're pretty level right it's sort of you know like if if your baseline is and you know might go up and down a little bit but it's not this mad celebrating but geez I I think you hugged the caddy. Well,
2: yeah,
1: I jumped, I jumped into his arms. And yeah, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, well, by my standards the year before, I'd had a very lean year. I'd, I'd won the Australian Masters in Australia, but it was the first year I hadn't won on the LPGA. And, and um, you know, and having still having no perspective as a 30-year-old, um, you know, I got inducted into the World and LPGA Halls of Fame at the end of that year and thirty-year-old. Like, yeah, but felt like an imposter because it had such a bad year. You know, like yeah, you know, like just no, no perspective at all. But so you know, um, you know, really was a bit of a struggle of a year, and even in the lead up to that week of the event, um, you know, was still still really searching, um, and uh, yeah, and then that happened. <sighs>
0: It's, it's funny. So they show the shot, and then they show the um, you know the putt going in to win, and again that great um, that great joy, and then jumping into the pond or the um, yeah. the, the dam or whatever it yeah. is next yeah. to the thing, right? Yeah. And then uh, it just makes me think of the Masters in the green jacket. Then they put a terry tailing robe on you with this. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so obviously, it's a tradition. You, you get to keep the.
2: Yeah, you get Dressing to gown. But, yeah.
0: So I just, I did, the, the, in the back of my mind, I'm going, wow, I wonder if she wears it now. <laughs> <laughs> Guess not.
1: No, no, I do not. I have right, yeah. um, a club that I'm a member at here, um, actually, has it's Pine Tree Golf Club, and they have um, a really great history of um, professional members at the club. Um, between all the members that um, have been, Members that there, um, we've won 50 majors between all of us. Wow. Yeah. So they've got, they've just done up a display. So that robe is um, on in the display.
0: Okay. You talked about in, your imposter syndrome as a 30 year old. So you, you won and won and won. When you, when you weren't winning, how do you sort of, um, how do you deal with that?
1: Um, not, not well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think because success came very quickly for me, like I never, my identity was that right was was being good at golf, um, and I think when when it was lean, um, you know, uh, I don't think you, you when you're playing really well, and especially if that's how it starts, um, you never realize how. You're treading on that fine line on the good side of the fine line, like for such a long time, and when you tread on the other side of the fine line, um, you, you realize how close you are to playing really well, and yet, so how far away you are from from the player that you were. Yeah, um, and so yeah, it's tough.
3: Um,
1: you know, it it you know it's it uh, all sports people go through it, and um, you know you've got to. Um, reinvent yourself and um and I think you know I I sort of probably hit a bit of a, a um burnout wall there at one point and without really knowing it and if I I think if I'd have just you know had the courage to say I just need six months away yeah. I'm not really fresh I probably would have continued that um dominating instead I was like well to be better I've got to change this and I've got to do this and you know re-embat myself when I really probably didn't need to, um, okay. but but the being hard on myself and the negative self talk I think also
2: um,
1: you know wasn't helpful and I tried to get away from that. Um, yeah, I and- think Lane
0: Beachley, the surfer, talks in in much the same way with her. Um, seven or eight world titles. That at the time she just was. It was literally about just getting to the next, just winning the next one.
2: Yeah.
0: As opposed to going, wow. Hang on. Yeah. Give me five minutes. Oh, geez, that was good.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, what about that cutback? You know, yeah, like, yeah. You know. So maybe that's that's one of the things that makes you as good as it makes you. And it's interesting that you say treading the fine line and being as not being as good as you were, and the f- use of the word "were." As opposed to as good as you are, maybe that's part of that whole yeah.
1: Well, I mean, self understanding. you we're, like, were on this side of the fine line, like yeah. you're very close to being that player, but still feels like a long way away as well. Like yeah, you're not seeing the results.
0: And so, what about now? Looking back, you know, do you go? Are you able to enjoy it more now? Even the shitty times, are you able to sort of to look back and see them as? Gee whiz, God, Carrie, it wasn't that bad.
1: Yeah, really, yeah, no, true. I mean, <laughs> It, it is good to, to get older and have better perspective and, and wish that you could have talked to that younger self and just said, yeah. don't sweat the bad weeks. It's not that bad, you know, like it's going to get better like and you're going to put in the work and it'll change. But you keep this negative self-talk up, it's going to last longer, you know. So, okay.
0: and Because it's not luck, it's work, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's both. I think, um, you know, every every athlete in every sport has to have a bit of luck you know it's there's a bit of good timing there um, you know there's a lot of talented people that just never quite get it done and you know there's there's no real answer to why um, so there's always a bit of luck involved too I think
0: do you believe in the the rub of the green you know you know some days the ball just bounces the wrong way yeah. Yeah. Do, you, do you think you just there are days when it's just not your there are golf gods or there is something just deciding that this is not your your yeah, turn? I
1: so I think there definitely is fate fate to it. it's written already pre written. Um, but I think um, you know it's funny when you're playing really well, you get all the good bounces, but you might be getting some bad luck. But you just it doesn't just rolls off your back. You don't even notice that you just got a bad kick or or um, you know or you know you're going to reel off six birdies for the day so that's not really gonna okay slow you down but <clears throat> when you're on the other side of the fine line you know you notice every single bad kick and you know um <laughs> yeah. sneezing in the back straight swing or you know like you just, yeah. you notice everything and um yeah it's i'm not not the lone ranger when it comes to all that stuff it's uh it's just, you know, when you when you play a sport for that long, you, you know you're going to have the ups and downs with it all.
0: So if fate's part of it and the story's already been written. What do you think the rest of your story holds? You know, like say so you won last year, you knocked over Annika, you've, you know, and it's a whole new world I'm assuming with the, the seniors tour. What do you think is in store for you?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm actually, um, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out but I believe that um, whatever the next, you know, venture is in life, it's just going to present itself at some point. Like I believe okay. it's going to happen. And it's not necessarily playing a lot of golf. Um, um, I'll, I'll play a little bit, but, um, you know, I think think there's more to my next chapter than just playing
2: golf.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was great to have you back for the Australian Open last year. Yeah. And, and especially because it was such a different Australian Open. Yep. So the men, the women and that All Abilities all together, yep. Yep. you're the only golfer to win at Victoria and Kingston Heath to yep. win an Australian Open. Yeah. Um, so how was that to come back and be, be part of that?
1: It was great. Um, you know, obviously um, I'd played in the Vic Open, so I'd played in, in that format with men and women, um, you know, competing, you know, different tournaments but on the same yep. stage. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was. I mean, it was awesome to be back in Melbourne. Um, you know, I think the Victorians were super excited to see live golf again. They hadn't hadn't had live golf since uh, the Presidents Cup in twenty nineteen. Um, so the crowds were great. You know, the energy was really good, and I think <clears throat> I think it was great for the sport that you know it showcased everyone. Um, you know, playing on the same stage. Um, so I think you know I was really glad to. To be a part of that first one,
0: yeah. And it's always, it? Well, I'm asking, is it is it always nice to come home? I'm I'm guessing that your your welcome back in Australia should always be, you know, terrific.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's always been great to play in Australia. Um, you know, I think early in my career it was very overwhelming, um, and I probably didn't enjoy it as much. Um, but you know, once I realised that. No one cheered for me as loudly as when I played at home. Um, you know, I really started to yeah. miss it.
0: So, yeah. What about the Americans? Are they when, in terms of the golf fans, like I look at the English and they do lots of really nice clapping. You know, pr- <laughs> oh yeah, very good. <laughs> the Americans, are, oh my god! You know, so is there any way you like to play the most?
1: Um. Oh. Actually, some of the biggest fans and the, well, the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of has been in Japan. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they're very knowledgeable golf fans and, and um, it, it's a definitely a different crowd to anywhere in the world because you could be on the driving range and <clears throat> 3,000 people could be sitting behind you and none of them are talking they're all quiet and they're all watching like it's it's the craziest thing and then you know then when they cheer you know out on the golf course they're really loud and excited and um into it so
0: okay is this something just to to finish carrie and again thanks for your time um is this something that we should all try and leave the game of golf with like all of us is there something we should we should do
1: um, I think anytime you see a young kid at a course is to encourage them, you know, make them feel welcome, um, you know, even if <clears throat> their shirt's untucked or, you know, maybe just turn a blind eye to that and, and just welcome them to the club and, you know, ask them if they're having fun.
3: Um,
0: yeah.
1: Make them, make them feel a little more welcome.
0: Yeah. Great advice. Well, Carrie, listen, thanks very much. It's just been such an honour to talk to you and, um, and, Again, thanks for your time. It's great. Yeah,
1: thanks,
0: Andrew. Good, to Good talk on you, Carrie.
2: You.
0: Thanks, mate, buddy, great. You're great. So that's Carrie Webb, all the way from air in Queensland to literally the rest of the world. And what a just a generous person for giving up her time and sharing her insight and her stories and her history and her vulnerability as well. So I hope you enjoyed it. I loved it. She's just the the best. Absolutely the best. And I look forward to meeting her one day in the flesh. So there'll be more on golf. Uh, Keep your eyes out. And once again, thanks to Carrie and her manager, Tony, for putting it all together. I'll see you soon. Bye.